Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Agency Nation Radio. I have a very special guest today, someone who I am incredibly excited to share his ideas, thoughts, uh, our Monday morning keynote at Elevate, Joey Coleman. Joey, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on the show, man. Oh, Ryan, it is a thrill to be here. I really appreciate you uh, inviting me to be on the show and inviting me to participate in Elevate coming up here in uh, not too long a time from now. So uh, super excited about both of those things. Well, dude, you got the highest form of recommendation in my book. Um, We had Marcus keynoting, Marcus Sheridan keynoting last year. And about a week after the event was over, I called him and I said, "Uh, dude, you rock the house who who fills your slot next year that rocks the house and he said i will give you one name it's absolutely positively the guy you need to hire you should not call anybody else joey coleman so uh, uh that's very nice of mark marcus is an incredible human being and i am very flattered by that uh recommendation and appreciative of it as well yeah i think his actual words were that sob is constantly beating me in <laughs> surveys at events so <laughs> uh, that's funny knowing marcus he probably said son of a gun yes uh, but you know that's but yeah i let me tell you marcus is one of my favorite speakers on the planet he uh is like i I often think of him as the non-religious preacher in the sense that when he's on stage talking about video or talking about content marketing or whatever it is, it feels like you're at a revival service. Uh, I love it. I, you know, people are jumping to their feet, they're clapping, they're cheering. He definitely gets a a crowd going. So I have big shoes to fill uh, following uh, his work at Elevate last year. And I'm super excited to do my best to try to do that. Yeah. And, you know, so, and one of the things that immediately drew me to your work Um, And we're actually part of, uh, we're both part of Speak and Spill, which is the great uh, speakers Facebook group that Scott Stratton started. Um, And so I've seen some of your stuff there and uh, and all that. But uh, you focus on, I'm going to use a broad and and possibly overused term, so correct me if I'm I'm wrong in that, uh, customer experience, the, the overarching concept of customer experience and then diving deeper into it. And inside the insurance industry and in particular the independent insurance industry uh, both the carrier and the agency side i'd say this topic of providing uh, a higher quality customer experience and um and that takes a lot of different forms and there's a lot of nuances to that is a topic that is discussed almost at nauseam and and, and maybe that's the case for many industries but obviously uh the one i'm focused on is insurance so um so having you come in and and really be the uh the keystone of the conference to a certain extent um and and have it be this topic was was very important to me i shared that with you when we talked uh back in the fall and i booked you for this so so maybe just take the audience a little into your work and what brought you to the topics the 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 issues that, that you focus on in particular well, absolutely. And Ryan, I appreciate that. And I agree with you. Uh, you know, categorizing my work as falling under the umbrella customer experience is spot on. Uh, l- let me say briefly about that. I think a lot of people miss uh, or confuse or misuse the words customer experience and customer service. I think of customer service as being reactive. What we do when something goes wrong or how we take care of a, of, of a customer or a client uh, as we navigate them through when things maybe aren't 
aren't going as smoothly. Customer experience is rather the umbrella that customer service falls underneath. Customer experience is every interaction and touch point that your customers or clients have with you. It's uh, from the way you answer your phone to the way you send emails to the documentation you give them to what it's like when they come to your office for a meeting to what it's like when they uh, have a need to file a claim and you're going to help them navigate through that. It's all the little things that combine to uh, address, if you will, how a customer feels about interacting with you. Uh, I consider customer experience to be much more proactive than reactive in the sense that the best businesses around the world are designing their customer experience consciously. And I think the way this shows up in the insurance world, I mean, you, you point to customer experience being an increasing uh, topic in the world of insurance. And, uh, you know, I totally agree with you. And it's an increasing topic across all industries. But specifically in the insurance world, where I think it's relevant is we had this period of time. If we think about the history of insurance, now hang on, folks, most of you listeners are in insurance, so you're not going to glaze over here, but I'll keep this quick. You know, as I think about the history of insurance, it used to be that you probably ended up doing insurance with the same agent that your parents did insurance with. And you kind of ended up going to them and maybe first there was some car insurance and then maybe there was some renter's insurance and then maybe there was homeowner's insurance. And along the way, maybe medical insurance came in there or maybe it didn't. And, you know, it's just kind of a variety of different conversations. But usually it was based on the relationship. Then we had this period of about 15, 20 years where everything went online and it became a question of how quickly can I get my quote? How little can I pay and how quickly can I be signed up and running and not have to talk to a human being? And there were a lot of large insurance companies that came in and were very successful in creating that model and building their brands and building their brand awareness. And to be frank, a lot of the independent insurance uh, agents that I knew kind of struggled a little bit because they were competing against organizations that maybe had a full tech team or because of their scale could change the economics a little bit and they weren't having as many in-person interactions with their customers or their clients as they had in previous years or previous generations. Now the pendulum is swinging back. People are recognizing that it's not enough just to get the best price on your insurance. What's actually more important I think to the average consumer is if I need to make a claim, how easy is it going to be to navigate through this? And that's where we come back to the relationship selling and the relationships that you establish to create personal and emotional connections with your customers. That's where I see the future of insurance going. It's where I think the real opportunity for an agent to distinguish themselves is. And and that is, how are we going to make you feel? How are we going to take care of you? How are we going to make sure that uh, this vehicle that you're purchasing, insurance, that really is designed to be there when things go wrong, how are we going to make sure that it's there when things go right? And how are we going to make sure that you have a positive experience with it? And God forbid something does go wrong. How are we going to make sure that we move you through the claim process and get you taken care of as quickly and as painlessly as possible? Guys, 
Guys, do I know how to pick a keynote speaker or do I know how to pick a keynote speaker? I'm just, I'm patting myself on the back. You can't see this, but no, I, I could not, I literally could not agree with you more, especially um, about halfway through your response, you said the pendulum is starting to swing back. Um, and this is actually um, something that I refer to as living in the brackish water, right? Uh, yes. You, you, it's it's that it's that tumultuous place where the salt water meets the seawater, and in, in this world, it's where the human and the technology combine, and that's really where the magic happens. It's not all human, certainly. It just can't move fast enough to be uh, convenient, and it's certainly not all technology because you lose that relationship. But it's how do you mesh those two? That is where the real magic happens, and. Uh, <clears throat> I'm glad that someone as smart as you just validated everything I've been saying on this podcast for the last four years. Well, so, I appreciate that. No, and for what it's worth, I totally agree with you. The interesting thing when we think about humans versus technologies is often people want to be all in favor of one and demonize the other. So the people that are really good at human interaction say, oh, technology, it'll never be the same as a human and don't waste your time and effort on technology. It's cold and it's unfeeling and it's insensitive. And the people that are really good at technologies will say, oh, we're faster, we're more efficient, we're more effective. You don't have to get bogged down in the human messy stuff. And you know, if your agent isn't available, if they're on vacation or it's in the middle of the night, we're still gonna be there for you because the technology answers. And the thing that I think most consumers on the planet actually want is both. They want human and tech. They want a nice blend and they want to create the blend that works for them. You know, I joke with people lots of times uh, when, when I'm talking about this, about the difference between my wife and I and how within the same household, there are two very different philosophies. I would prefer to have a phone call or an in-person conversation or a Skype or a Zoom call, video link call uh, over all other forms of communication. My wife would rather communicate via chat, text, or email, right? I skew more extrovert, she skews more introvert. And so the challenge to someone doing business with our household is one of the members of the household wants all the in-person, the other member of the household wants all the technology. And I don't think our home is unique to the typical home, especially in the United States today, in the sense that I think your customers want both and it doesn't work in 2018 to demonize the one that you're not as good at and say, well, we're not gonna worry about that. Our customers are different. No, I, I think you need to be paying attention to both sides of the spectrum. You are 100% right. And I, I would take your example even further and say a lot of times it depends on the individual person's mood. There are times, not just like some, some, some interactions I prefer phone or some interactions I prefer email, some days I just wanna talk to somebody and other days I would so much rather just chat or email or text. And Absolutely. It, it, and there's almost no rhyme or reason to it. It could be that I just woke up and I'm tired and I don't feel like having a phone call, I'd rather just text you. And it's being able to maneuver through the idiosyncrasies of someone's very specific, very micro moment day. Um, you know, and it could be a morning interaction is a phone call, but in the afternoon, a, hey, my day's stacked up, don't bother me anymore, you know? So there's all these varieties, and if and, and you're 100% right, if you're not thinking full spectrum in terms of the ability uh, to, to, to interact with somebody, then you're missing moments, and, and those moments stack up. So, so you know, when, when Marcus first uh, uh, mentioned your name, then 
you know, after he said, hey, you know, what I, what I said at the beginning, hey, you got to talk to Joey. He's always uh, beating me on these surveys. Um, he said, he's got this thing the first hundred days. He said, I, you ask him about it. He's like, I've heard him talk about it. He's like, it's exactly what you're looking for. Because I had explained to him what I was looking for uh, this year. So maybe just talk to us a little bit about this concept of the first hundred days and, um, and what it means to you and, and, and your message. Sure. So the the interesting thing about the first 100 days is how important a time period it is. I've researched hundreds of industries and companies around the world. And what I found is that in the typical business, somewhere between 20 and 70% of your new clients will decide to stop doing business with you before they reach the 100 day anniversary. Now, Ryan, when I found this out, I was shocked. 20 to 70%. This is businesses are hemorrhaging new customers and no one is talking about this or very few people are talking about this. And what I found is that if we looked at this time period, the reason they were leaving is because they didn't feel taken care of. They didn't feel appreciated. They were confused because it was the beginning of the relationship and no one held their hand. And when we combine all these things together, what we actually see is that there wasn't and an effective process of onboarding the new client, of getting the new client comfortable with this new business relationship. And so the more research I did, and I, I, I first came across this uh, this data back in the late 90s, okay? So it's we're fast approaching, tw- it's actually 20 years this year when I first came across this original data. And so I started researching and working with my clients. I ran an ad agency at the time and said, what would happen if we focused on creating remarkable experiences in the first 100 days of the relationship. And I found two things. Number one, that there are eight phases that a customer has the potential to go through in those first 100 days if and only live if you're willing to hold their hand and help navigate through those phases. And in the typical business, if I can get you to day 101 without leaving, the typical client will stay for five years. So this time period is incredibly dispositive and relevant to the lifetime value of the customer. This is where all the additional sales come from. This is where all the additional share of wallet comes from. This is where all the referrals come from. It's how they feel during this time. And if you get these first hundred days right, you can have a customer for life. Um, Is it that they've made up their mind to quit in the first 100 days or is it that they actually quit? And the reason I ask that is in the insurance industry, you know, a lot of times we have annual renewals. So let's say I paid my premiums uh, in full and uh, but those first 100 days don't go incredibly well, right? I never hear from you, maybe is a best case scenario. I have a claim and it doesn't go well, maybe is worst case scenario. Um, So then renewal time comes up and I quit. And you're like, oh, you know, I didn't touch them over the course of the year. And what I hear you saying is really, it's that when they first made that decision, you then didn't you didn't then give them validation that they made the right decision and didn't provide them with additional value and services over that time period to really lock them in. 
correct. So you you are correct that um, it's a combination. In some industries, the people leave, and we see this in insurance too. People what they may pay their their premium in advance and still decide to cancel. Yeah. Right. And yeah. just leave the money on the table. They don't care because their experience has been so horrible. There are a lot of people that go month to month and will cancel or will switch over to a different agent or a different company uh, and just kind of let it fall away. But you're right. It's that mental decision to stop doing business. And for some people, let's be very clear, it's not a conscious decision. This is where it gets tricky for a business owner or for an insurance agent. It can often be a subconscious decision that is built around the fact that when it comes time for that renewal, their question is, what have you done for me lately? And if the lately reaches back to the first week of when they were a customer, when they were filling out paperwork and getting insurance cards and getting, you know, bills, and that's the only interaction they've had with you, sure, some of them may renew. That's absolutely the case. But they are not going to increase the amount of business they do with you. They are not going to be referring you to other people. They're just going to, at best, continue along in an almost apathetic state for the relationship. Where it gets interesting is if you've laid that foundation properly in the first 100 days, you've really, to your point, shown them the services, provided value, checked in, reaffirmed the purchase decision that they made, and then throughout the year, continue to be in contact with them. And this can be really simple. You know, it's interesting. My dad, when we were growing up, we had an insurance agent who would, when I was in high school, like junior high and high school, would clip articles from the newspaper that talked about us kids and send them to my dad. So like I'm one of seven kids and we lived in a small town, like 25,000 people, which to be frank in the state of Iowa, that's a big town, right? Uh, but <laughs> so many people think of it as a small town. It was the biggest town in 50 miles. And, uh, he would send in these things like, Oh, Joey, you know, had this art project that was awarded, you know, uh, second place in the art contest or, you know, one of my brothers or my sisters, you know, had done this, you know, won this basketball tournament or placed well at this or, you know, was in this musical or whatever it may be. And what I realized, not at the time, but what I realized afterward is this guy was genius at continuing to create personal and emotional connections and to show my parents that he cared as much about what us kids were doing as my parents, who had really purchased the insurance, not only to take care of themselves, but frankly, to take care of us kids as well, right? Because we were covered under their policies. And one of the best ways to create a personal and emotional connection with your clients is to show them that you care about their family and about their life outside of the particular focus area of what you're doing with them as much as they do. How are you going to cancel insurance on the guy that actually truly gives a shit about you, right? Exactly. Exactly. And you know, the, the people ask me all the time, they're like, Joey, what's the, what's the new revelation in your book? Never lose a customer again. What's the amazing, shocking thing you figured out? And I was like, if you care about people, they stay with you. Yeah. And they're like, wait, what? That's not new. And I'm like, I know it's not new. I know it's not new, but you know what? People aren't doing it. 
people aren't doing it. And I get that I run my own business. I get that it is difficult to be a business owner today. There are a lot of things you're worried about. You're worried about prospecting for new clients. You're worried about taking care of existing clients. You're worried about taking care of your employees. You're worried about what your website says. What's our social media platform? You know, how are we handling, you know, this new offering? What are we doing to make sure we're communicating with our customers? How are we taking care of rules and regulations and how we operate our business? There are all these things that are competing for our time. And sadly, what happens in most businesses and uh, is that the thing that starts getting less and less time is the personal and emotional connection to the people who are actually paying the bills and keeping the lights on our customers. And we, we need to, in the same way that we might carve out time regularly to create content for our blog or our website or carve out time regularly to do continuing education or carve out time regularly to check in with our employees and, you know, do performance reviews. We need to carve out the same amount, if not more time to regularly check in on our customers and clients. Yeah, man. You know, I, I'll tell you, um, there is a serendipity in caring that has transcended my career and I've seen it in others as well. Um, that you just, it's, it's unexplainable, but almost guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I totally agree. I mean, the, the crazy thing is we live in a day and age. So here we are in 2018 when we're recording this, we live in a day and age where I can go on my phone, launch a social media app and have a conversation with someone on the other side of the world that I've never met, but we have a common interest. I can go on my computer and do a Skype call or a Zoom call with someone on the other side of the planet that I've not only never met, but will never meet and have an in-depth discussion about something that's important to both of us. We are in many ways more connected than at any other time in the history of humanity. And yet, when you look at the surveys and the studies, human beings are feeling more disconnected than at any other time in human history. Feelings of aloneness, feelings of apathy, feelings of isolation are higher than at any other point in measured human history. If you talk to psychologists and therapists and, you know, and folks that work in that industry. And so what we find is this crazy juxtaposition between people feeling because of technology connection, but feeling isolation which also often comes because of technology, but it certainly comes because of lack of human in-person, personal and emotional connection, that serendipity. And so again, in the way that I said, the pendulum is swinging back, there is a huge opportunity to everyone listening to double down on the relationships, double down on the customer experience, focus more on those things because all of the research shows, as does our personal life experience, that the more we care about people, the more they will care about us. And the more they care about us, the more likely they are to continue to be in cu- to continue being customers, to continue referring new customers to us, and to continue increasing the amount of policies or coverage that they have with us because now they know we're part of the family looking out and taking care of them as opposed to a vendor who sells insurance. Yeah, man, I couldn't agree with you more. It's, it's, this is, you know, customer retention and, you know, and, and I guess in the same vein, customer loyalty, it, it is really the, it's the secret sauce to the independent insurance agency business. And, 
uh, you know, that whole cliche of it's, you know, cheaper to keep a customer than get a new customer. I mean, that is. That well, is, and if I may, Ryan, yeah, yeah, interrupting, yeah, it's not a cliche. It's fact. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. Fact. I mean, this is this is proven research. So one of the things I did is I looked at all industries and I said, what is your percentage likelihood of converting on a cold call or a cold sales opportunity to a brand new prospect as opposed to your likelihood of convincing an existing customer to spend more money with you? Across all industries, we took all the numbers, we averaged them together. When you are trying to pitch to a cold prospect, you have somewhere between a five and 20% likelihood of getting them to sign on. When you are pitching to someone that's already a customer, that number skyrockets to 60 to 70%, right? So this is staggering. It's easier to sell to customers. It's more profitable to sell to customers. It's more fun to sell to customers. Because every time you do business with an existing customer, you are deepening the relationship, you are increasing the profits, you are increasing the likelihood of a long-term relationship and customer. Yeah, all we talk about is new business generation and distribution tactics over and over and over again. Uh, it, 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 you know, and, and I'm, I'm as guilty as any, I think for a long time, I. Um, I don't necessarily, even though I, I think once you once you hear this, once I once I hear you saying it, and I'm sure the audience is the same way, it makes complete sense, right? I mean, you just be like, ah, oh, duh, you know what I mean? Yes, right, exactly. Right. But I think that there's it's it feels not sexy. There's something like I don't know what it is versus oh, I'm gonna go out and get some new yeah. business. It's human. It's the human condition. Take this out of a context of business and think about dating. Most people are the phase of dating for a lot of people is a lot more exciting than the phase of marriage. Why? Because everyone's trying harder. It's more exciting. You're doing new things. You're doing interesting things. You're having shared experiences. You're doing little moments of surprise and delight. You don't know when the next interaction is going to be. And then for a lot of people, when they get to marriage, it's like all the excitement goes away. There's less concern to create something special. Oh, we'll go to the same place we always go for dinner. We'll have the same, you know, celebration we always have. We'll, we get into routines, right? And routine, while relevant for establishing consistency, is not effective for creating heightened emotions of surprise and delight. Now, let me be very clear. I'm happily married, right? We have an amazing relationship. I love my wife dearly. And we work at it. We work at it regularly to keep it interesting, to keep adding new things to it, to try new experiments, to, you know, to have new interactions and new experiences together so that it's constantly changing and adding to the relationship. We need to do the same thing with our clients. You know, I get that the chase is more exciting, but hopefully we come to a point where, and I say this respectfully, we mature a little and we say, you know what, while the chase is fun, the catch and hold may be even more fun because you actually get to go deeper. You get to have a different level of relationship. You get to be more truly yourself with someone that you're in relationship with than someone that you're courting or just trying to, you know, start a relationship with. Amen, brother. I completely agree. So I want this to be a, a teaser for your talk only because sure. uh, I don't want to give away all the meat. I want people to get me jacked up. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to hear to hear you. Uh, and I know everyone who's listening is going to be too because this stuff is so applicable to the day-to-day -day, um, 
of of what every single person who's going to be sitting that audience at Elevate uh, is doing. So um, let's give them one. I know you have many, but let's give them one very, you know, you can keep it as brief as you want, tactical takeaways, one little tiny thing that they can do in those 100 days to, to, to just spur a little bit of what you're talking about. Just give them one little, one little takeaway morsel um, uh, with the, with the, with the understanding that there's so much more to come when they when they hear you for an hour at Elevate. Absolutely. No, I'm excited to dive into it more uh, when we all see each other at Elevate. But in the interim period, let me ask this question. How many of you listening have heard of the phrase buyer's remorse? Statistically, it's the great majority of you, north of 90%. Great. So you've heard of buyer's remorse. Second question. How many of you have a system or a process in your business to address the buyer's remorse that your customers and clients are feeling. Again, statistically, it's less than 1% of you. So there is a huge opportunity right at the beginning of the relationship. All the research shows that after making a purchase decision, deciding to sign up for coverage from you, to work with you as our agent, that the customer leaves that meeting, no matter what you do, doubting the decision they just made. This is the challenge of the human condition. This is the brain. This is the dopamine release that happens when they originally decide to do business with you. And as that dopamine recedes and those feelings of joy, euphoria, and excitement that they had when they found you and they thought, this is going to be my agent. This is going to be the person that takes care of me going forward. As soon as that dopamine recedes, they begin to doubt the decision they just made. Well, what happens if we have a claim? Well, did we get enough coverage? I know they said this is kind of what the average family gets, but they don't know my kids yet. And my kids are drivers, just started driving, and I don't feel that the average coverage is going to be enough for us. Or did we make the right, did we go with the right carrier? You know, there's a lot of different questions that you will have answered as part of the sales process that the customer or client will begin doubting the second they leave your office. So what can we do to counter that buyer's remorse? The number one thing we can do is to make sure that the customer knows that we've got their back, that we appreciate their business and care about them. So the thing that I highly recommend, which this is not a new idea, this is not an earth shattering idea, but it is an incredibly effective idea, is to send a handwritten thank you note to every new customer within 24 hours of them becoming a customer. And that thank you note is really simple. Dear Ryan, thank you so much for choosing Coleman Insurance to take care of protecting your family. I know you really care about your three children and name them out, uh, Bob, Sally, and Sue. Uh, And I want you to know that through our time working together, I will come to care about them. Not as much as you do, but think of me as a non-related uncle, right? I'm going to be looking out for them in the same way that I look out for you and your wife. Please know that I'm excited to be working with you. You've made a great decision on the coverages that you have. We're going to work with you. We're going to continue to assess these coverages every six months or every six years or every six months or every year as we go through the relationship. Don't worry. We're always going to take care of you. And God forbid something ever does go wrong. I'm a phone call away. And by the way, that's why I've rewritten my cell phone number at the bottom of this card. If you ever find yourself in any situation or any problem where you feel I could be of assistance or there's a claim that needs to be filed, call me immediately and we will take great care of you. Look forward to working together for many, many years to come. Joey. Boom. If you send that type of thank you note 
right? That type of I appreciate your business. Not only are you going to counter their feelings of buyer's remorse, but let me conclude this example with one exam with uh, a question. How many of you listening have a thank you note somewhere at your office or someone somewhere at your home that someone has written to you? You kept the note. Now, what's crazy is the majority of people listening have one. What's even more crazy is the majority of those people, that thank you note is more than six months old. And the reason why is not enough people send or care enough to give a thank you note. And this one thing implemented in your business will dramatically increase your customer retention and your customer loyalty. That's a taste. We're going to give a bunch more at Elevate. Joey, you have a book out Anyone who's not coming to Elevate, so if you're coming to Elevate, the first 500 people to register at Elevate will get a copy of Joey's book, uh, Never Lose a Customer Again. But let's say you made, uh, you have you have plans that are keeping you from Elevate or somehow you just didn't pull the trigger on a ticket to the conference, uh, where can they get the, uh, your copy of your book? So you can get Never Lose a Customer Again at any bookstore uh, or online bookseller that you might find. So it's available at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, your favorite indie bookstores can order it. Uh, We're very excited about the book. In the book, there are 46 case studies of companies, small, medium, and large. And when I say small, I mean solo entrepreneurs doing less than $100,000 a year, up to large. And when I say large, I mean over 100,000 employees and over $50 billion a year. examples of small, medium, and large businesses from every industry imaginable. As we walk you through these eight phases the customer can go through, we're giving you specific examples of cool things that our companies are doing to spark your ideas, to spark your curiosity so that you can map out your customer journey and enhance it every step of the way. So I think of the book and I'm really excited with how the book turned out because I wanted to write a book that someone could purchase as a hardcover, put on that read, then put it on their shelf. And anytime it came to, uh, they were hoping to enhance their customer experience, they could almost go back to it as a reference book. So really excited with how it turned out. It walks you through the eight phases. It tells you all about implementation, why customer experience is important and how to make it part of the lifeblood of your business. Awesome, man. Guys, Joey, so pumped that you're coming, man. It, I, I really am. I, this is going to be um, a, a I, I, I say this, you know, I said this last year, I'll say it again this year, the, the way I set the conference up and the people I choose and, and how I line everybody up, it's a narrative, right? There's a narrative to the conference. I'm not just smattering people who say yes, um, I, you know, into slots. It, we really do walk people through kind of a journey and uh, it, it this is, it's so important, um, this topic, and, and that we start to, to address this. We can't take for granted anymore that it's tough to switch insurance companies so people won't switch, right? That's not customer retention or customer loyalty, uh, and those barriers are coming down quicker than any other. So we have to start to refocus our efforts if we're not already doing these things, and uh, I'm just incredibly excited you're coming, man, so so thank you. Guys, if you want more information, um, also go to joeycoleman.com, you can find your blog. You can find uh, everything that you're doing there. Um, If you're not coming to Elevate, get a copy of the book. If you're coming to Elevate, make sure you're one of the first 500 people there because you get a copy of the book 
for free in your swag bag. Um, it's going to be tremendous. Uh, Got to give one big, huge shout out before we get out of here. Safeco Insurance, diamond sponsor, underwriting the conference. Uh, incredibly excited to have a quality company uh, like Safeco, such a good partner of Agency Nation and TrustedChoice.com uh, as our diamond sponsor for this event. You're going to see them all over. Make sure you stop at their booth. If you don't, uh, even if you don't have an appointment with Safeco, they have tons of agent services for you guys. This is one of the things that I want to focus on is that they have all these services for you to help you run your business. Things that Joey's talking about, they can help you implement uh, through all different tools and, and different types of loans and all kinds of really cool stuff. So uh, make sure you're using those tools. Make sure you stop by the Safeco booth so you can learn more and a big shout out to them. Joey, appreciate your time, brother. Thank you very much. Um, we're gonna get out of here. My pleasure. We'll see you all at Elevate. If they show love, I'ma show it back. If the catch is too small, I'ma throw it back. I've done a lot, but I ain't got a lot to show for that. Alright, yeah, let's do that again. If they show love, I'ma show it back. If the catch is too small, I'ma throw it back. I've done a lot, but I ain't got a lot to show for that. Alright, yeah, let's get into it. A lot of things have happened since we last spoke. Like smash hopes, half empty, not as glasses broke. And I'm the captain of this crash boat. When it's time to sink and swim, I always choose to do the backflow. I know that not a lot of humans are as sharp as I am. My modesty's my greatest quality, it's not I'm lying. I know I'm only just alright with this hard of rhyming. No, I'm not applying myself. In fact, I'm hardly trying. But just imagine what would happen if I stuck to rapping, man. I'd probably have a helicopter and a couple mansions with some guard dogs and a bunch of fans they love attacking. Probably not, but it's fun to imagine. Hey, yeah. I can't complain of where I'm at, I'm just happy to be here I'd be ecstatic if we happen to have a repeat here Thanks to Pro Leader, I'm rapping the heaters while passing the reefer Man, that's what I call having a breather If they show love, I'ma show it back If the catch is too small, I'ma throw it back I've done a lot, but I ain't got a lot to show for that I've done a lot, but I ain't got a lot to show for that Now I'm trying to rap while I act like I don't want to make it So fuck a record deal I only say that cause they haven't made the offer yet I'm confident they never will My only competition is myself from the year previous It's clear to me I have to fear greediness And steer clear from that media hype and devious types I'm booking my expedient flights immediately That's right, I'm leaving tonight to find some peace on the beaches Where I'm needing to write, so fly me to France I think it's time my life is enhanced Teach me all about fashion, let's go buy me there might be a chance that I finally find some romance With the fly little mommy who invites me to dance, come on So if she shows love, I'ma show it back But if that catch is too small, I'ma throw it back I've done a lot, but 